When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take body blows, you wear them down, you wear them down, until, until the knockout shot comes. The knockout shot underneath the gym comes. I'm going to tell you right now, we know what physical football is. Show the entire state what physical football is. Welcome to another fan forum, uh, our chance to, to have one-on-one conversations with uh, some of the many great fans that are out there in Husker Nation, and uh, everyone has a story, and th- that's what we want to tell, and our guest tonight has, has a wonderful story to tell. But first, we want to go through our normal housekeeping stuff, and so upcoming show on Monday, uh, we'll have an analytics episode, get ready to geek out Redcasters. Adam McClintock and Dave Bartu, the college football professor and college football matrix, will be on. Uh, as always, our uh, Hail Varsity uh, promo code, uh, use REDCAST at checkout at hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Uh, Sunday is uh, Father's Day, and so Alumni Hall, uh, they have two Lincoln locations. You can use DAD22 with checkout, and you can get 20% off your order. So you can either go to one of their locations or go online to alumnihall.com slash Nebraska-Cornhuskers. Uh, also, we have a new uh, sponsor FSC Edge, and if you're looking for an opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that has a stable history of over 20 years, then FSC Edge is the place for you. Uh, what is FSC Edge? They are a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, supporting some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe. Working at FSC Edge, you'll get a chance to work with some fun people with great attitudes, all the while learning about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer facing, so casual dress is the norm but you will have access to generous benefits packages while doing impactful work on a national scale. So if this sounds like what you're looking for, then check out the available jobs today at www.jobsatfse.com. And last but not least, Smack and Smooch, custom shirts and specialty items. I said last week they're from Elkhorn by mistake, but of course, Laura and Shane, they're from Elwood, and you can reach them at 308-325-2542, or you can look at their uh, the QR code there. Well... Uh, tonight, uh, all of our followers, you know that we love ourselves some in-state football, in-state recruiting. We talk about it all the time on the Redcast. And tonight, our guest has been a head football coach in Nebraska for over 20 years, winning state championships at two different schools, Overton in 2006 and in York in 2017, as you saw in that video there. Uh, he was inducted into the Nebraska Eight-Man Football Hall of Fame in 2019, and he currently has a son on the team, a sophomore, Garrett, uh, who's an inside linebacker. Welcome to the Fan Forum, York head football coach, Glenn Snodgrass. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I got some goosebumps watching that video at the beginning. That was uh, kind of cool. Yeah, that's a that's a fun way to start it, right? Um, you know, I think that's kind of what the 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 whole forum is about. Is you know, we want to talk to to fans that have different experiences, and I I'm I I start going through this whole list of people, and and we've interacted a little bit on Twitter before, and I'm like, okay, here's a guy who has a, you know, the son on the team. He's a, he's a football coach here. He's won championships. I love everything about the story. I mean, and I think that's what gets us into this. And we have the four questions that we ask here. This is what the forum is all about. You know, why are you a Husker fan? What's your favorite Husker fan memory? What, you know, who are your all time favorite Huskers and how do you think the Huskers will do next year? And I think we'll just start with number one and just kind of go from there. But uh, this kind of gets the, gets the ball rolling. Why are you a Husker fan? Well, I, I was probably born into it. I think I was a Husker fan as long as I can remember. Um, probably like most people you talk to, my dad was a big Husker fan. He was probably a little bit more of the basketball side, um, but he loved Husker football, and I always just kind of gravitated more towards the football side. And um, my first ever memory was watching that 1983 Orange Bowl that we lost uh, against Miami. Um, mm-hmm. and from then on I was hooked, uh, you know, ever since I can remember, I, you know, I say this a lot and I think it's true as far as I can remember. I don't, I don't know if there's been more than one or two Saturdays in my life where I haven't either been at a game, watched it on TV or listened to it on the radio. Um, a lot of days out working on the farm when I was young and that, that those Husker games were always playing. So, um, I've loved them ever since I can remember. And it's, it's really been a big part of my life, you know, back in the days, you know, when I was young, you got about one or two chances a year to watch them on TV. And when you got that opportunity, it was it was a big deal. Otherwise, otherwise it was it was on the radio. We never made it to too many games, actually almost none. Um, mm. But when I finally got a chance to go, it, it was pretty special. So, um, yeah, we're, we're a Husker family through and through. And, you know, my parents, my brothers, my sister, my, you know, my, my wife and kids, obviously. And so we love them all the way around. Mm. 1983 that was the first year I pretty much remember from start to finish too I, you, you get I think maybe that that helped shape some of my fandom was that the first year I was a Husker fan we're number one in the country from start to finish you know we're blowing teams out 84 points against Minnesota and 72 against you know Iowa State and then you know you win the the Heisman you win the Outland you win the Lombardi all those things we, we had the number one and number two picks in the draft that year it's like is this what it's like every single season I mean you, you know it's a good first way to, to get that introduction into it for sure. Um, you know, you, you, you talked about your dad there and, and I, I saw something yesterday you posted and it was 26 years ago or, or it was his birthday yesterday. It would yes. have been and 26 yeah. years since he had passed. And I, you had a really nice tribute here. And uh, I, I kind of want to read this cause I just, it, it's father's day this, this Sunday. And it, it kind of got me, but he said, happy birthday, dad. I know the boys never met you, but they know who you are. Don't worry. I taught my boys how to shoot a right hand and left-handed hook shot, taught them how to go to work, get there early, outwork everybody, no matter what, that you can wish in one hand and crap in the other, and no one will end up, uh, or and you'll end up with the same thing in both hands. If you want something, you earn it. I've taught them to be tough. I've taught them character and integrity. I hug them often. I've tried to pass all these things on to them that you taught me. I tell my kids often that being a dad is the most important thing you'll ever have, and you did a great job. 25 years, we miss you. And that was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, that, that comes back to, you know, why are you a Husker fan? You mentioned him right away. Um, that's so, how so much, so many of us have that, right? I mean, it's, it's handed down Nebraska football and Nebraska sports. It's, it's, it's something from, from one down to the next. Um, 
tell me a little bit about your dad there. I know I've, I've read a little bit about him. He was six foot 10. He was an all American at Peru state in basketball. Uh, still in the top 10 list of scoring. I'd I'd love to hear about him. Yeah, he was, you know, sports were a big deal in our family. Um, he was a teacher and coach for a while and, uh, he, uh, he went away from that and became basically became a cowboy. Um, he broke horses for a living and we, we had horses on our, on our place always. And we'd go round up cattle and then we, we, uh, you know, brand and vaccinate and do all those things. So I grew up around cattle and grew up with that, um, with my dad teaching me that work ethic, um, that it doesn't matter if it's Sunday, it doesn't matter if it's snowing, it doesn't matter, you know, if if the work needs to get done, you got to go do it. Um, and it doesn't, you know, you don't have hours. It's not like you go to go to work at eight and come home at five. You, you go until the work's done. And mm-hmm. that, uh, he really instilled that in me, um, that, that work ethic and that drive to, um, do the best at whatever, whatever you're doing. And if you put the work in, you, you're going to be successful. Um, you put the work in and you do it the right way. You're going to be successful. And I, I learned those things from him. Um, sports were a big deal. Um, like I said, he, he was a great basketball player. He actually had some opportunities in the NBA um, in the late sixties. And my mother got pregnant with my sister. And so he ended up um, kind of walking away from those NBA opportunities, but um, yeah, he's definitely the best athlete in the, in, in our family, but, uh, uh, he, he, he loved sports. He loved pretty much every sport. Um, my, my memories of Nebraska football, not as much going to the stadium and watching games, but going to people's houses and having people over to our house for a Husker game. And when they were on TV, it was a big deal. So mm. yeah, we lost my dad 26 years ago and, uh, you know, he's he, those uh, lessons that he taught me, as, as we you mentioned in that tweet a little bit ago, we definitely try and pass those on to our kids. And I make sure and talk to my boys about um, stories about what kind of a man he was. And, uh, you know, it's sad he would be I can't imagine uh, seeing him in Memorial Stadium watching Garrett play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just imagine the pride that he would have to see that, you know. But, uh, you know, a big reason Garrett is there is because of the the work ethic that he passed down and that we passed on to Garrett. So, um, yeah, he was a great man. Like I said, in that tweet also, he's been gone a long time and people still, I still run into random people who say what a great guy he was. So, um, yeah, thanks for asking about him. His name was Ron Snodgrass and he was definitely somebody that everywhere I go, I see somebody that knew him. He was, uh, he was really a great man. Oh, what a, what a great legacy. And, and, you know, to your point there, you have Garrett is playing there right now. Well, you also have another son, Dalton, and uh, these are a couple of things that we pulled off here. Uh, one from Hale Varsity that there's another Snodgrass who was out in Memorial Stadium making plays. Dalton Snodgrass got a lot of high fives from his brother Garrett and Nick Henrich while making plays. And then there was a, a tweet out there about some of the Husker uh, campers that were out there at, uh, a couple weeks ago at uh, at the Friday Night Lights. So Dalton, uh, he's going to be a senior this year, right? And so what's, a, what's he kind of looking to do right now going into the senior year? Well, we're hitting the camp circuit with Dalton. Um, that Friday Night Lights camp was kind of cool because Dalton was there. Um, my my nephew Layton Snodgrass was there. He's going to be a sophomore. My other nephew Kellen Anderson on on my wife's side. Um, I got another nephew that plays football in Grand Island, um, Spencer Snodgrass. So we had a, mm-hmm. had a we've had a lot of people to keep up with and and watch play. Um, but yeah, we've been hauling Dalton all over the place to camps this summer. Um, you know he's. Uh, 
um, wants to play college football. And so we're going to give him every opportunity that we can to get him out there and um, give, give him chances to get coaches eyes on him. And, uh, and he loves it. I mean, he, uh, he, just like Garrett, he, he, he loves the game. He loves everything about it. He loves the, the grind and the work ethic and, and everything that's a part of it. Uh, both of my boys have just absolutely gravitated. It's like you said earlier, it's kind of odd because I grew up really in a basketball house because my dad was a big basketball guy. Um, but both myself and both of my boys, tend to gravitate towards that football side a little bit we love basketball mm-hmm. also and they're they're good ball players but um they've definitely gravitated towards the football side so we're excited about Dalton's senior year you know we got a good group of seniors a better group coming up and uh um we we should be uh, a little bit better team this year than we've been the last several years and I think Dalton set up to have a have a nice senior year you know he uh, you know I mentioned that work ethic a little bit ago and Dalton definitely has it and he does it the right way you know he's mm-hmm. um, does it with character and integrity and does uh, does the things he needs to do so um, we're real excited to watch him play his uh, his senior year things get a little bit crazy though trying to chase Garrett around to big 10 games and then uh, coach games on Friday night and Week one, my wife will be in a different country watching Garrett play in Ireland while I'm <laughs> while I'm in York uh, coaching a game against Lexington. So, um, like I said, they love the game, and we're uh, we're happy to chase them around wherever Dalton ends up going to college. We're really going to be putting the miles on, and hopefully those gas prices come down because we're going to be <laughs> driving all over the country to watch watch both of them play college football next year. So um, mm-hmm. they, they both they both they both love it. You know, we just had Steve Warren on the other night and, you know, he, he runs the Warren Academy. And so we talked some about, you know, the in-state talent and everything and, and how things that, you know, I asked him, you know, have things changed in the last 10 years talent-wise? And I guess you'd be a good person to ask this too, having coached throughout that. Um, I showed you this before we went live. You know, this is our graphic that we show that just highlights how many kids right now in-state are getting offers from all the different years, eight kids this year alone. Do you see, have you noticed uh, is as the talent improved across the board or is it more that kids are going to camps and getting more development, you know, in Nebraska or how would you, how have things changed in state talent recruiting wise in the last five, 10, 15 years that you've seen? You know, I've been coaching for 24 years, you know, and then I played in college and, you know, all the way back through high school. So I've, you know, been involved with this a, a long time and I, I, I don't think there's more talent now than there was, uh, I mean, in 1997, we won a national Nebraska won a national championship with 10 Nebraska kids on the team, you know, so mm-hmm. you, you could probably say there's some pretty good talent in the state that year. But a lot of those kids probably just didn't get too many offers anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think two things, though, they're, they're just recruited dif- differently for two reasons. One of them you just mentioned is the camps. The way colleges do these camps the last, uh, you know, what, five, six, seven, eight years or whatever it is since they went to those kind of one day formats where, you know, it used to be if you wanted to go to a football camp, you got to shell out three, four hundred bucks and spend three or four days. And it's just a, a grind for four days. You got to take off work and miss weightlifting and all those things. Well, now, like for Nebraska, for example, with their Friday Night Lights format, it's it's affordable. Um, it's one evening. You get to go to the stadium. You get to be coached by uh, those great coaches down there. And so kids are able to get 
uh, to all kinds of camps. Like I said, we're taking Dalton to 10 different colleges this summer. And we were just at Brookings, South Dakota, South Dakota State this weekend. And there was probably 15 to 20 other coaching staffs there. Mm -hmm. You know, so by the time we're done with this tour of camps, he'll probably get 30 or 40 different staffs with their eyes on him. The other thing is huddle. Um, since uh, digital video has went wild over the last decade, um, it's just got kids out there a lot, a lot more. Um, when I first started coaching, the only college coaches that would see my kids are the ones that I, you know, was able to make a, a VHS copy and put in the mail. Well, now mm-hmm. any college coach, literally in the world, who wants to see any game of any kid. Um, if they want to work hard enough and get into huddle and check out the videos, they, they have access to it. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really opened up uh, this national recruiting to all these kids. So I do not think there we're any more talented now than we, than we were. I just think the, the kids names are out there more, the videos out there more. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I think Nebraska kids have proven themselves and you see, you know, you see people, coaches all over the country reaching in and grabbing kids, you know, the McIntyre kid from Fremont Bergen just gets, you know, commits to Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I just, I think they're getting their name out there more. And I, I really probably the biggest one has been huddle. I mean, that's just been an absolute game changer for, for recruiting for kids and getting, getting Nebraska kids out there nationally. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and recruiting such a uh, relationship game too. And now that I, I think it's a good thing, number one, that, other schools are coming into the state too. I don't care if they are. I still, I want us to get our kids and get, I want Nebraska to to keep them, but I want Nebraska kids wanted and pursued by schools all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I have no issue with, with that. I, it's kind of music to my ears, actually what you just said, because it's such a narrative that, you know, the talent has to be better today because obviously look at all the kids being recruited, but my goodness. I mean, we won a national championship in 97. Nine of the 11 starters on offense were from Nebraska. The only two that weren't were linemen of all things, Husky and, and Taylor. But, you know, we had a quarterback from Wood River. We had, of course, the eight-man Brainerd fullback, you know, one of the Makovicas, right? Of course, you know, there's Mon Green. And, and, you know, I'm from Columbus. There's Tim Carpenter starting as a tight end. And, you know, th- that narrative that I love the talent that we have right now, and I think it's great that they're getting identified, and I love the camps and everything. But I also think that we've had talent here for a while, and there's times where we've had different coaching staffs over the years that have skipped over it. Um, I've coached youth football in Lincoln for about 18 years. I'm done now, but while I was doing it, I would go to the coaches' clinics and uh, in the spring. So last, the first one I went to was the last year of Solich, so when uh, Bo Pelini came and was the defensive coordinator, and then the, the last one I went to was the second year of Frost. And I, from my perspective, I saw it over the years, kind of what you said, the old VHS tape thing. When I first started going, that was a lot of how those connections were. Coaches were here for so long. Solich was here for so long. They knew all the high school coaches, you know, shook hands, you know, here's a tape, you know, keep an eye on this kid who's a sophomore. He's, you know, he might be good in a year or two, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and when those relationships started to kind of fall off because we were switching coaching staffs every few years, you know, that's, I think, you know, we, Nebraska, when I say we, we stopped recruiting Nebraska as well as we could. And then when that happened, other teams weren't coming in either. And all of a sudden it was like this narrative that, well, Nebraska doesn't have talent here. I was like, ah, you know what? North Dakota State built the dynasty up there on the backs of a lot of Nebraska kids that we weren't, uh, we weren't Mm -hmm. recruiting here. So. Yeah. Well, things definitely change. You know, I, when I first started coaching was when Frank Solich was, was at Nebraska and there was definitely a change um, 
between his staff and when the Callahan regime came in. And it, you know, I, I, we mentioned off, off air a little bit earlier. I had several kids at my previous school, Overton, which was a much smaller school that I know would have been recruited by other staffs. And not only that, I mean, they probably would have played because they were very, very good football players, you know, Mm -hmm. but they just, the, the, the in-state kids were definitely not, a priority for a while there. And that's, that's kind of what I love about what's going on right now with uh, coach Frost. I mean, they're, it, it definitely is a priority. Mm-hmm. And this year they're really getting out and uh, um, taking a look at all the Nebraska schools or as many as they can. And, you know, that it, it's hard because there's a lot of schools out there. And, mm-hmm. and here's, a, you know, another thing to add to the comment of what, maybe why there's more kids um, getting out there and, and getting recruited you know, 20 years ago, it was the assistant coach's job. There might have been a recruiting coordinator, but it was the assistant coach's job to get all that film gathered up and watch it and do the evaluation. Well, now every major college has got an army of recruiting specialists on staff. Mm-hmm. So just the amount of kids that they can look at and evaluate and um, the just the, the, the sheer amount of stuff they can do with recruiting is far, far more than it used to be back when, you know, the coaches had to, uh, you know, get ready for, for, for spring ball and get ready for the season. And on top of that, they had to do the, the majority of the recruiting work. So um, with those recruiting staffs, I think that's, that's been a major game changer also to allow more kids to get evaluated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go back and you watch or look at some of the, oh, the, the recruiting areas that assistant coaches uh, had back in like the nineties. And it was bizarre. Cause it'd be like, Ron Brown has Missouri and also the panhandle and yeah. and like, it was so segmented down to, you know, Northeast Nebraska. And the, but that was, that was the requirements. Those assistants, yeah. man, they were, they, they had to take care of it. And, and it was national, it was local stuff, but, but it was more the the most important thing was the philosophy that Osborne always had of, you know, you recruit inside first and then, and then you work your way out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if there's two players and all things are equal between two players and one of them are, is from Nebraska and one of them's from California or whatever, but they're equal. I'd take that Nebraska kid nine times out of 10. I'd take that Nebraska kid, you know, and, and, uh, and sometimes I've seen it seem to be almost be flipped the other way around it yeah. during different eras. And uh, I like where we're at right now with that. Uh, I keep showing this graphic and part of the graphic is to your point, you said they're, they're kind of recruiting everywhere. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Omaha Metro and that's great. I'm seeing Lincoln being recruited and that's great. I'm also seeing Scott's Bluff and Pierce and Ainsworth. So it really is kind of going, uh, you know, Nebraska's at its best when all of Nebraska is supporting it. Like we, we talked beforehand, you're from Scotia originally. And I have, um, my mom is from North Loop. And so North Loop, Scotia, that area. And I think of growing up in the eighties and you go to games and like the signs at, at Memorial Stadium, that would be like Scotians for Nebraska, you know, Yorks, you know, Yorkins, would they be Yorkins? What are what? <laughs> Yorkites? I don't know. <laughs> York, Yorkites for, for Nebraska, right? You know, so every town had those, had their people. And, and I mean, main street and small towns were, were pretty much damn near closed every single Saturday. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, everyone is either watching the game or they're down in Lincoln and, and uh, Nebraska when, and this, I try to tell this to the young red casters that maybe haven't experienced this, but when, when Nebraska's, churning and when the, the whole state's really behind it it's so much fun i just i love it yeah yeah absolutely and just going to those games back in the in in that era i mean and games are still amazing and we still get mm-hmm. incredible support but 
Um, yeah, it was it was incredible. I remember going and watching Nebraska play uh, Arizona State, and well, well, it must have been '94 or '95, and we were ahead sixty-eight to nothing at halftime. You know, and I'm telling people mm-hmm. about this. You remember? You know, you don't remember this, but there was a time where not that long ago where we were ahead sixty-eight nothing at halftime against a legit Pac-12 team. You know, and so mm-hmm. Clinton Child scored in like ten seconds on that on that play. It was the, the first play of the game. They- yeah. An option left, and he went eighty yards. Yeah, yeah. No, and you know when when things were shut down with COVID a couple of years ago. I mean that, that that all this stuff you're saying just kept running through my mind. You know, thinking about not only the players, but thinking about the whole state. Like I've seen this the this state crazy for Nebraska, and whether we're good or whether we're bad, and I don't mm-hmm. care if we're you know three and eight or whatever. I guarantee you that Iowa game, every small town bar in the state of Nebraska is full of people cheering for that 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 game. You mm-hmm. know, and if we're great, if we're undefeated, or if we're you know contending for a Big Ten West title or whatever, it's it's even even more rabid probably. But even when things are slightly down, I mean it's it's a big deal in this state. Mm-hmm. It is a major major thing in this state, and to have it represented by kids from all over the state is is pretty amazing. To your point, that the 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 stupid misconception of some national people back in in the COVID year where Nebraska simply wanted to play, and we mm-hmm. got we got crapped on by so many different you know the Desmond Howards and all that. Yeah. And and in fact, well, we had the parents group, Nebraska parents group, and I'm I'm guessing you were probably involved with that. And it was simply it wasn't it wasn't us saying, hey, we're going to we need to play because we're going to win a national title this year. It's we want to play football. Nebraska wants to we think that this is the this is the best way to bring some normalcy back. And we love our football here. That's it. And end of story. I not even have to explain it any more than that. The national narrative on that whole thing was so backwards. I mean, it was um, – I, I was never more proud of Coach Frost for standing up for the kids and standing up for the state of Nebraska because he's a Nebraskan. He knows how important it is. Mm-hmm. And he was just standing up, like you said, wanting to play. And and how it got spun nationally and within the big – not only nationally but within the Big Ten was just, just absolutely – a travesty. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we got a lot of negative publicity, which should have been the opposite. I mean, these guys wanted to play football more than anybody else did in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that was, I think that was coach Frost's one of his shining moments when he was willing to step up and get out there before anyone and, uh, and fight to get those team, those kids out there playing. And like I said, not just fighting for his team and his players, but for the whole state. Cause he knew, how important that was. I mean, you know, what are these farmers going to listen to in their tractor on Saturday after their combine on Saturday afternoon? You know, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. not the same in this state when Nebraska is not playing football in the fall. So um, yeah, that was, that was that narrative just got twisted. So just because of a couple big time um, national voices and it it was just ridiculous, but um, I'm glad that's behind us now. (laughs) Yeah. The the three to 11 vote of Nebraska, Iowa and Ohio state, I'll always go down was saying that that, that that it's so proud that we were on that that end really the 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 low end of it but I'm so proud we were one of those three mm-hmm. and and really those three schools led by Nebraska um that's the reason that we ended up playing and and I'm glad in the you know certain I, whether the season went the way we wanted it to or not that's that's a moot point we wanted to see football um yeah you know, we talked about small town football. You, you're from Scotia. You're coaching at York. You coached at Overton. Um, this is a great tweet here, and this is the York Duke football pin tweet. And it's a photo of the the grandstand there, full of 
Yorkites, we'll call them. And, uh, <laughs> and it is wonderful to see an entire community come together as one to support our young people. Hashtag my reason why hashtag York Dukes. And tell me what that's like, you know, what does high school football in, in Nebraska mean to the small towns, the small communities, especially if that's the only school in town too. I mean, what does it, what does that mean to the people? Well, going all the way back, you know, North Loop, Scotia, right here, we won a state championship in 1993. Um, and everywhere we went, the the whole town, like you said, closed down and followed us to ball games. It was a home game. It was packed. Um, and and th- those teams meant and still do mean a heck of a lot to those small towns like that. Um, Overton, uh, we won a state title there also and played in the finals three times. Same type of a thing. Um, the, they just, the, the, the ownership of the team and just the pride of the whole community out there watching those kids play ball, um, you know, in a, in a small community like that is, is, it's just unmatched and it's just, it's amazing to see those kids. And like you mentioned earlier, um, if Nebraska would prefer to take Nebraska kids because they're going to fight for their state. Well, in these small communities, these kids are going to fight for their friends and they're going to fight for their families and they're going to fight for their small community, um, you know, representing your school uh, every Friday night. And now at York, it's it's the same thing. I mean, our 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 home atmosphere, I feel like, is uh, one of the very top best atmospheres in the whole state and um the whole community rallies around us and when we need something somebody steps up and takes care of us um you know local grocery stores like grand mm-hmm. central if we need if we need a, a meal or something they're going to step up and they're going to get us fed and um they they just take such good care of us and um we do all we can to represent them uh, every team i played and coached for played on and coached for um, do everything we can to represent the the communities the right way um, with integrity and class and putting a product out on the field that's going to play incredibly hard and be, you know, uh, we, we like teams that play very physical and um, there, there's nothing mm-hmm. like a small town Friday night. You know, you, you drive, drive through York, Nebraska sometime on a Friday night and our, our stadium's right in the middle of the city. Um, it's a little different because it's the outfield of a baseball field. We had a chance to kind of move that a few years ago, and we didn't want to because it was such a unique, cool atmosphere right in the middle of town. Um, but we have the cannon that goes off every time, which I think 99% of opposing players and coaches absolutely hate, but all of our <laughs> kids and all of our fans love it. Um, and it, it's a big deal on Friday night. And so, um, you know, I, I, I love I love uh friday night lights and high school football and you know going out and coaching those kids and one of these days when i'm not a coach i'm looking forward to being able to go watch every different team all around the state of nebraska so yeah it's it's definitely a big deal on friday nights and um it is a responsibility though that i have as a coach to make sure we're putting a a product out there that's going to make that community proud and uh our kids have always done a great job with it we've got amazing kids we did at overton and now we do here at york and um they work incredibly hard and love the game Hmm. well i promise i'm going to get to some of these other questions you know part of the forum but i'm just enjoying the conversation you know when frost got here in nebraska he had a rebuilding project and it, the lowest I've ever seen Nebraska play on the field was the 2017 team. I mean, were times where we didn't really look competitive or times that mm-hmm. just the effort wasn't there. Maybe the strength and conditioning wasn't there. I'm not making excuses for why we haven't won more the last few years. I'm just saying he took over, he took over a program that needed to be rebuilt. 
you know, in a lot of ways, when you got to York, you experienced some of the same things. York was not in the, the position that that certainly what you now have, have built up over the years. What is that like to take over a program and it, that's down? And how do you, you know, what are some of those first steps? How do you start building the culture? The word that we hear a lot of culture. How do you start to build a winning culture when that doesn't exist? Well, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. It starts with culture and it starts with the weight room. Um, and, you know, I think York's had good athletes. Um, I think their their weight room was a little bit fractured. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but they, have mul- they had multiple different people teaching the weight room. And so it wasn't maybe a, a unified program. And I felt like that that was a place we could make big strides right away. And we did with the mm-hmm. weight room. And I was at Overton for 12 years and we just, we had our culture locked in. I mean, those kids were um, absolute soldiers every, every year. They knew what our culture was. They knew how to mm-hmm. act. I didn't have to even, you know, I could have not even showed up to practice for the first five, half, dist- five, five district. Ti- yeah. Five district titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you won the championship. You also had two runner up ones. I mean, you had a, you had a, a, you know, a hall of fame success career right there at Overton. So to leave that, to go to a, a school that, and again, I, there's parallels in, in a strange way with like Frost. Frost had built something kind of going at UCF. I mean, in some ways, mm-hmm. why, why leave? Why, why, why do the rebuilding project? I guess I'd ask you that. What, what was it about York that you know the challenge just drew you there? The the challenge was a big thing. Um, one of my best friends, Matt Kern, was here at York. Uh, he played. We played together in high school. We won a championship together. He was an assistant football coach and. That's part of the reason I wanted to come in coach with him, but um, the challenge a little bit bigger school. Um, I, but I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say the challenge was a big thing to see what you can do with the program that's down. Like I said, I think I could have stayed at Overton for another 30 years and we would have had a heck of a lot of success, but I just wanted to kind of um, stretch myself a little bit and see what we could do in a different situation. And um, you know, we walked into some very good, groups of kids. Um, we, we took that culture. I try, I tried to take that culture. Mm-hmm. We had at Overton and just, uh, um, transplant it to, to York. And it, it does not get, it doesn't stick. I don't care where you go. It's not going to stick right away. Um, but it's something you got to stick with and you got to, um, continue to hammer that culture. Um, and the kids, you know, the kids bought in and, we have it. We have a thing hanging in our locker room, in our weight room, and at our our uh, game field locker room. It's it's called our cultural blueprint, and it's all the things that we stand for. It's all of our pillars, and it's all the things we're going to do to support those pillars, and then uh, the outcomes we're going to get because of the the work that we did uh, from those pillars. And so that blueprint is something that we can, if we start to stray, if if the you know if the um, if things start to to crack a little bit, we can kind of go back to that blueprint and say, Hey, this is, these are the things, great person, great student, great athlete. Those are, those are the first three most important pillars for us. We're going to have great kids. We're going to have great students. And thirdly, and least important of the three, we're going to have great athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have an incredibly hard blue collar uh, work ethic. Um, we're going to play football, very physical. We're going to, you know, we have all these pillars that we're always going to fall back on. And those things are more important than any, um, offense or defense that you put out there on the field. Um, if, if you're doing things the right way and you're, uh, playing with that culture, because the culture is what 
kind of smooths out the rough edges. You know, those years where maybe you don't have as much talent as other years, that's when you can really lean on that culture. And if your culture is really locked in the years where you do have great talent, you can go sky high, but you Mm -hmm. hope when the years you don't have talent, you know, it's not going to drop off the face of the earth. So that, that was a big thing. And you mentioned it, but culture was a big thing at York. And I'd be lying if I didn't say we ran into some, uh, some great, great athletes. You know, my my second year, Lyndon Califf was our quarterback, and he broke the all-time Class B state record for passing yards in a season. And um, Ty Danielson and Evan Neville, and we just we had some incredible athletes there. For we had we had a nine-year run. We were rated in the top ten. We've we've kind of dropped off a little bit the last couple of years, but we had a nine-year run there where we were rated in the top ten every year. Um, and so you know that. Uh, it's a credit to those kids who bought into our culture and the assistant coaches we had that have really worked hard. Mm. Well, the, the very beginning of that video we showed at the at the beginning, you, you've said physical now three or four or five times, and I think mm. that's a that's a very important word, and that's that's what Nebraska was for so long mm. too. It, it 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 just drove me crazy at the end of the 2016 season, a year where Nebraska won nine games, but I, I was at the Ohio State game and we lost 62 to three. I remember I was getting blown out by Iowa and, and Banker at that time talking about how they're the other team, you know, the Hawkeyes, their their practices must be bloodbaths. And I'm like, well, what are ours? Yeah. I mean, you know, physical football, uh, Coach Osborne called, you know, called the game. It's a Spartan game. You know, that at the end of the day, that's never going to go away. You still have to hit the guy, you know, across from you still have the you can. You know, all the sometimes the the camps drive me a little crazy because, you know, it's all everything's done in sweats. And sometimes, you know, you just you got to put pads on. You got to take a green jersey off a QB. And sometimes you just got to hit guys. And and those teams, I mean, really, that's what Big Ten football is. That's what Wisconsin does. And it's what Iowa does and Minnesota. And um, I think you can have both. You can have great athletes and play the recruiting game and NIL and transfer portal. And you can still also be a physical football team. And Mm -hmm. uh, physical football is never going to go out of style. Yeah, I, I remember being on the sideline was get, when Garrett was being recruited and watching some of those teams come in. And I, I and I, I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to dog on you know any previous players or coaches, honestly. But uh, it was it, it was pretty rough when I'd see Iowa the Iowa team run by our team, and I'm thinking, whoa, this is <laughs> we're not quite ready for this, you know. And mm-hmm. Wisconsin and some of those, you know. The, those those tried and true Big Ten teams who were built for rugged Big Ten football, and um, I, I I do think the strength and conditioning was potentially lacking a little bit. But um, it's great now to be down there. You know, we we're down there on the sideline with Dalton, my my younger son, as a recruit this um, year a little bit, and to watch those. Uh, other teams come in it's it's not a big difference anymore it's not a difference at all mm. anymore I mean our 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 players fit the bill right now and they look the part um, and it's obvious when we play those games because you know I realized we didn't win them all last year but we we, we could have I mean we're so, right there with them every game yeah. oh so close and and defensively you know I, I feel for I mean I feel for the whole team last year when you're losing close games like that but really the defense I especially felt for because it's like yeah. They played so against Michigan state. My goodness. They held them to like 13 total yards in the second half. And I mean, they couldn't Mm -hmm. get a first down with Walker and that dude, you know, was a Heisman candidate running back in Nebraska. Just the black shirts were just shutting them down. We've had Jojo on the show before. And we had Jojo's dad on the show. who's an NFL agent and talked with them a little bit about that. And it's just like, my goodness, you know, that to play so well. And, And I guess that's a, that's a learning moment. That's a teaching moment for these kids too, is that, Sometimes you can do things as well as you possibly can, and, and it, it you still might lose the game. I mean, you, and 
and they never fractured as a team. The, the, the locker room never broke apart. If it would have, they would have been getting blown out by the end of the year when they're playing Ohio State and Wisconsin. But that never happened. I mean, that, there's things to be proud of it in, in a strange way off of a three and nine season. The frustration level that we have as fans, um, you know, but imagine what that level is for the players, the ones that are mm-hmm. going through the work and the ones that are out there on the field. I mean, just the, the that, that, that frustration level must be incredible. And the fact that they still um, never missed a beat and they never dropped off and they kept, you know, we probably should, we should have beat Iowa in the last game of yeah. the year. You know, and I've seen previous years, you know, like you mentioned that Iowa game in 17 where we gave up 46 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, that none of that stuff. When, when I hear people comparing um, Coach Frost's record with previous coaches, I you can throw that all out the window because I don't care. I've never seen a Coach mm-hmm. Frost. It may be the Michigan game right in the first year, but that doesn't count. I, you don't see Coach Frost teams getting giving up 46 points in the second half. I mean, it's I realize the win loss record may not be great, but we're right there. I mean, we are mm-hmm. right there and it's encouraging, but it is frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was rough it, going to every one of those games. And hmm. yeah, it's not was, about the strength and conditioning anymore. It's not about the effort, even. A lot of it's just about mistakes, really. Yeah. And times yeah. where, you know, I, I think of, you know, we played Northwestern a couple of years ago and the offensive line, every single offensive lineman had a penalty on them in the first half. You know, and yeah. it's like you just can't get out of your own way. And, and, Hopefully that's the stuff that gets cleaned up here. They've made some staff changes and on the offensive side there, and hopefully just a, some cleaner play. Mm-hmm. And this thing can change, and it can change in a hurry. It, you know, yeah. if the efforts there and, and and all the other things that they're doing. Um, you know, let's get to question two, and we're, we'll keep this conversation going too. But I love this, by the way. We're like forty minutes in, and it's like ah, we're finally getting to question two. This is totally a, a red cast kind of show, man. Um, question two: What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Well, there's a, there's a lot of them. Um, it's probably not my favorite, but the, the that 83 Orange Bowl was one of my first. And just how excited I was when we scored. And I just – I remember being just very, very young. And then all of a sudden the devastation when we <laughs> didn't get the two-point conversion. But, you know, we, we were a huge, like I mentioned earlier, a huge Husker family. But yet we didn't go to a ton of games. And – you know, I remember the first game I ever went to, I think, well, I, we didn't go to any games, I should say. Um, we watched them all on TV or listened on the radio. And so our football team, they used to allow football teams to come in. Our high school football team went down there. So the North Loop Scotia Wildcats traveled down. And I, I believe the first one I was at was my sophomore year against Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. and we won the game. And I just, I can remember, you know, you see the TV, the, the stadium on TV. And I hadn't even been to Lincoln very many times in my life. I mean, I was a... I was a hillbilly from way up, you know, central Nebraska, and I didn't make it into town very into Lincoln very often. But I remember walking into that stadium and thinking, "Man, you see this thing on TV, but this is this is a whole different world." Um, and that was just amazing because you know the the years of heartache, and I at that at that time in my life, I hated Oklahoma with such a passion, and and to win at home and for me to be there for my first time ever was was amazing. Um, I remember another, which is kind of a negative, I guess, but it's something that'll always stick out is, and this has to do with my son Garrett when we, when we lost to Texas in the big 10 championship or the big 12 championship game. Um, He was so excited and we won and he was dancing and he was fired up and, and then they put two seconds back on or one second back Mm -hmm. on the clock and they made the field goal. And all of a sudden, where's Garrett? We couldn't find him anywhere. 
And we finally found him about five minutes later in a corner over there crying because he was just absolutely devastated, you know, and it meant a lot to him when he was six mm. years old, you know, watching that. So, um, but there's just so many, the national titles. I was, I was stuck in, in uh, Mequon, Wisconsin, I believe at a basketball tournament. Um, and we watched it in a hotel and we were a bunch of crazy Nebraska kids. It was 30 below zero and we were running outside in shorts and no shirt. And the people in Wisconsin thought we were absolute idiots, but <laughs> Nebraska finally got it done and won the national title. And then one more I'll mention, well, I should mention a couple more, but I know I'm rambling on a little, no, the, the second national title game, uh, we were coming home from Hawaii at a basketball tournament. And so I, I tried Nobody tell me the score. And I made it from Hawaii <laughs> to uh, wherever, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, to Lincoln, drove all the way back to Seward. I got to my apartment at about 6 a.m. And I'm ready to watch that game. And as I'm walking in the door, somebody comes out and starts celebrating because Nebraska won the national title and told me the score. I'm like, oh, my God, I made it from Hawaii <laughs> to the front door of my apartment <laughs> and somebody told me. But the greatest moment of all would be when – uh, coach Riley offered my son and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's, that's a whole, that's a pretty amazing, incredible story. Um, you know, how I told him and, you know, just letting him know that the whole thing happened. Um, and I can go into that now or later. Or no, whatever well, you, you did it, you did it on the end, right? Of Memorial yeah. stadium, right? after. Yeah. He, so co- they, they called the day of the game and they just called me and I was in the weight room in class and they told me they were going to offer him. And we had the state title game that night. So I didn't really want to tell him because I wanted him to focus on that. And I was hard keeping it in. So I told my wife and I said, let's just keep it between you and me, not tell anybody. I'll talk to Garrett after the game. And I ended up telling my friend Matt Kern, who was our defensive coordinator. But other than that, we didn't tell anybody. And when that game was over, um, we were just having a good moment celebrating together after the game. And we were out right out there on the end, and I, I just looked around, and we had our fans, and we just wanted a state title, and I thought, I don't think there can be a better place than this. And so I told him right on the end, right at midfield, and, you know, just I don't think it could possibly get any better than that. You know, we won a state title. He played incredible. He had mm-hmm. 225 yards or whatever, and then he found out that he got offered a full scholarship by Nebraska. It was – I don't think there's any way any Husker memory could ever top that one, but – um, you know, there's so many of them, but that one was really pretty incredible. That's I, I feel very fortunate as a dad to <laughs> be able to experience something like that. Oh, sure. Well, well, Redcast Rob, uh, he's watching right now, and he said, what's it life as a lifelong Husker fan having a child play for the Huskers, and how does that affect the way you root for the team every week? Um, it's, it's, it's amazing, to be honest with you. Um, just to feel a little part of it, to, to chase the team around, to – you know, we will, we'll play it like last year. We played, we played Crete at home and we beat them in overtime after a lightning delay. And we took off at midnight to drive to Champaign, Illinois. And we drove all night long and got down there. And we were the there. Team around is so much fun. And to be mm-hmm. in the team hotel and just to feel something that's been that, this big of a deal to me my whole life. I mean, it, it, and I, I know everybody's a Husker fan, but it, it, this has been a big deal for me my whole life. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I live and die Husker football since I can remember. And to see your son on the field, you know, playing, it just, I mean, I don't know if I'm still pinching myself a little <laughs> bit when I see it, you know, and 
you know, and then watch Dalton out there at Friday Night Lights, you know, getting coached by by Coach Rude and talking to Coach Frost and things like that. Just to just to be a small part of it's it's pretty incredible. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I uh, coached for a number of years with Dan Penzik, and his son Cole was on mm-hmm. our team. And so Dan was a black shirt back in the seventies, and then. I got to see that in his eye when Cole gets the offer and Cole starts to play and gets to be out there on the field. And, and, and it was the same way kind of being able to, to, to watch through his dad, how just, I mean, just the pride and everything. I, um, you know, you mentioned Champaign, Illinois. We went there the last two times uh, we went there last year and that was, that was just a miserable game across the board. I mean, it was like 112 degrees outside and just, uh, and and Champaign's a horrible town. We we've said that a number of times on the show. But but even the the year before that, the 2019 game, we our seats were right behind the parent section. So of all things, we were sitting right behind Wandell Robinson's dad, who that was the the breakout game for Wandell. And it was kind of it was so cool to watch the parent you know respond react to a, something that they were doing. I think, you know, one of the things I'd like to do with this, uh, the forum here is to talk to different fans and get their perspectives on something. And I think you have a unique perspective. You're a Husker parent. What is that like on Twitter? What is that like at a game? And sometimes when things aren't going great, you know, and you hear, and you hear somebody yell something and it's, and half the time or more than half the time, it's not even something right. But someone's still going to yell because you're just, hey, we're Husker fans. We're just mad. And this kid stinks and this kid needs to go and all those things. What's that like, you know, being in the in the parents' shoes and hearing that and knowing the parents of the kid maybe that the, that person's talking about? Yeah, and I, and I hate to say this because I really enjoy all the all the different outlets that, that report on Nebraska football because I think they're super important. But I try hard to stay off the chat sites. Uh, and mm. I, I, I'm not I, – that's just me. That's my perspective as a parent. And it's something that I have all I've been on those chat sites and I enjoyed looking at all the different things. But as a dad, um, you know, it, it just sometimes it just makes me more angry than it needs to if <laughs> something negative happens. So that that's personally one thing that I try and do. And I, I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that. I'm just saying as a dad, I, I try and stay away from those things. But um you know, I, I suppose I like supporting the staff no matter what, because when things get negative, I use my social media forum as much as I can to let everybody know that um, I'm going to support these coaches no matter what. These coaches have my son's back no matter what. So I'm going to make sure and have these coaches back no matter what, mm-hmm. win or lose. We're always going to be Husker fans, you know. Um, we might be frustrated at times. I'm not going to lie. I was frustrated walking out of that Iowa game last year, but didn't change my fandom, didn't change how much I trust the coaches and love mm-hmm. the, the team. Um, but, yeah, so when the negativity comes out, it does get frustrating at times because, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a parent and as, you know, I've, I've got a little bit maybe more insight on what goes on sometimes in what inside the program to some extent, you know, not – total inside access, obviously, but some. Um, and so when I hear things that just aren't even true, you know, it just really <laughs> bugs me sometimes. And like, I'll bring my brother, my brother, Paul, who's my middle brother. Uh, I'll bring him the games and we'll be sitting in the parent section. And he's, 
he tends to be a little uh, outgoing with what he says. <laughs> and, and I have to remind him every game, don't forget, Paul, we're in the parent section. <laughs> so if someone makes a mistake, let's just keep that here uh, under your hat a little bit. And, and oh, okay, okay. And so he remembers. But, so I got to constantly remind him that we're sitting in the parent section. But we've, we've made so many great friendships, mm-hmm. lifelong friendships with, with parents, um, especially in Garrett's class. There's just so many so many good groups. And now we, and like I said, during that COVID thing, we had a parent group that was really uh, did a lot of work together during that time on a, on a lot of things. And now um, ABM and Jared Lambrick, they do, mm-hmm. a, they do a parent tailgate for us. And that's, that's just another way for us to get together and develop more relationships. So it's uh, I, I, I love, I, I love being a Husker parent. I absolutely love every everything about it and and the cool thing is garrett's gonna be able to play for six years you know he mm-hmm. had a registered year and then he had a covid year and i get to be a part of it more longer than uh, most any parents ever do so i'm gonna just enjoy every second of it enjoy every second that is that is awesome um you know i want to talk you mentioned abm there and actually this is something i i I wanted to get to also me being a former youth coach for, for a number of years, I'm big into youth football and, and, and getting kids in early and getting them developed. And here was one where ABM, I think, yeah, ABM, uh, Garrett tweeted out something about don't miss your chance to work with us at a free football camp next week. And this was a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, something that was powered by ABM. So right now everyone associates ABM with just NIL, but there's, you know, development camps like this that they're going on for, for youth. Also, here is another one, uh, a tweet from Ken Cush about three Husker football players put smiles on the faces of York youth Duke football campers on Wednesday at York High School. York grad Garrett Snodgrass, and then there was Phelan Sanford and Chris Kolarevic. Uh, they were in attendance to help at the at York's camp. Um, you know, uh, with youth football like that, especially a small the smaller towns, you know, where the kids and you know they they've known each other since they were this tall and been playing with each other, you know, in the the streets and everything in the neighborhoods. Um, you know, do, do you take an active role as the head coach of the high school? Do you take an active role in, in how that development starts in York at, at at the younger levels, at the junior highs, and at, you know, I, I don't even know what, what exact age that they'd start, but how active a role do you take with like a youth football there? Well, I coached it for a long time when my boys played. So I, I don't coach anymore because my boys are out of it, but I'm kind of the, I guess you would say the commissioner of our youth program. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I wanted to do when I got to York because we're one school, one town. I wanted to kind of consolidate everything from youth, which our flag football starts in first grade mm-hmm. and all the way up to the senior year, they're running the same stuff all the way through. And so you're right. That youth stuff is really important. Um, and I love how Nebraska is handling it. Um, they, they've had, I'm not sure if they're going to have it this summer or not, but the last two or three years when Jared Lambrick was the chief of staff up there, they did a free camp for um, kids that were maybe a little bit under underprivileged kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they got a lot of kids up who generally maybe would not be able to afford a camp. Um, and they, they filled up the Hawks. A, a practice facility there with those kids and we'd always bring a busload of kids down from York um, and now ABM they, they just did a camp a free camp the other day and now they're also going to do a special Olympics camp um, oh, okay. here and I'm not sure when the date is on that one but I know that one's coming up a, a special Olympics camp that ABM is doing and so um, for them to uh, just doing a camp is a great thing, but they're, they're actually, they're doing it for free and they're encouraging these kids to come down and get an opportunity to be coached by these guys that, you know, they're heroes that, 
you know, they may never ever mm-hmm. get a chance to talk to. And that's a big deal for those kids. And especially the one they had, you know, in, uh, in Lincoln, a few, the last several years where I know there was a lot of kids from York who would not have been able to afford these camps, but they were free. And he was, they were getting the word out, trying to get every kid in the state that they possibly could that normally wouldn't be able to afford those camps to get there. And it it just, it was a heck of a lot of fun to, to be a a small part of that. Um, And now, like you said, what ABM's doing and for those boys to come down to York, um, to work with our kids. I mean, my goodness, the, our kids, it was, it was the best camp we've ever had. A year ago, we had Simon Odie, Garrett, and uh, Noah Stafersky. Mm-hmm. And this year, Noah and Simon couldn't make it. So we got Chris Kalarvik and uh, Phelan Sanford, who are both Garrett's roommates. Um, Omar Brown was supposed to come, but he ended up not making it. So that, those things are great. And for, for those kids to to be able to be coached by those guys is just incredible. And no, the, they'll the never forget that. The faces were incredible. Oh yeah, they'll never forget that. And that is part of the, you know, there's the sign that the the players walk under when they get to the field and the tunnel walk, you know, I play for Nebraska. And it truly is. I mean, it's not just you're not playing for the just the name on the jersey. You are playing for the entire state. I mean, it, it, what you said about York is a microcosm of Nebraska. Nebraska, the University of Nebraska is one state, one program. You know, you want to get everyone everyone in on it. Mm-hmm. Um you you talked earlier about culture building. I remember uh, reading things on Devaney when he got here in 62 and he would take, you know, Nebraska had been losing for 20 years and he would take these different trips all the way up to Shadron and down to McCook and up to, you know, up to the, you know, the Northeast section up to Wausau or wherever. And, and, and just, he would just try to build people to support the program. We're, we're going to be better off when all of Nebraska is behind us. I think I asked the question too, about the, the negativity sometimes with fans because and this is I'm talking to fans here about we all have energy that we can dedicate towards the program and you can be you can choose to be negative with it you can choose to be positive with it um it, the the group of guys I hang out with we've chosen to to start up a, a podcast we've chosen to create a social media presence that um sometimes we get called Kool-Aid uh, Rob is a Kool-Aid guy but it, I think we're just we're more positive than anything I mean we we get frustrated when we lose um, there are times we haven't done a show that week because there wasn't much to talk about or, or if it was going to be real negative, then I don't want to go up there and, you know, why, why would I want to put myself out there and just, you know, spout out a bunch of stuff either. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, all we want to see is this program get, get back to, it doesn't have to be national champions every year, but just, we want it to get back to being that winning program. And we want to really see the state get back to, to being unified behind this program, the way that I remember it growing up too. I mean, that was the, that's the best. I can tell a lot about the state of uh, how the state is behind our university by the shirts that the students wear at school. I mean, I remember back in the days where we were great. I mean, you would see Nebraska t-shirts everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then when things kind of went south with Coach Callahan, you know, you started seeing a lot of Texas shirts, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thinking, how could you live in Nebraska and wear a Texas shirt to school? And then you started seeing some Oregon shirts and and things like that. And I, I know when Coach Frost came back, he absolutely kind of got that turned around quite a bit. And another cool thing they're doing is a lot of these junior days they're having, they're inviting a lot of kids in. And there's a lot of kids that are probably never going to get, you know, legit scholarships or even walk-ons, but yet 
they still bring a lot of those kids in just to be able to experience it. And just to say that, you know, they can tell their grandkids, Hey, I got recruited by Nebraska. And that does nothing but build the, um, the fandom all over the state with all these kids that are able to come in and be a part of these junior days with Nebraska. Wow. Let's go to question three here. Uh, Who are your all time favorite Huskers? Yeah, I did a lot of thinking about that one. I don't know. There's, I, I keep migrating towards a lot of those great uh, defensive linemen. You know, I, I remember Broderick Thomas is one of the early guys I remember. Well, Turner Gill actually was one of the very first guys that I really kind of remember and like. But a lot of those defensive guys like Broderick Thomas and Mike Kroll and, um, you know, a uh, little bit later with Grant Westrom and the Peter brothers. I mean, those guys were just, I mean, they were just some incredible defensive lines for so long. Terry Keneally in that national mm-hmm. championship year. Um, though those guys were all guys that I just, I, I just absolutely loved watching. I, Grant Westrom was incredible. And I just, I loved watching those Peter boys play, but you know, somebody, even though I'm a big bears fan, so it was hard for me to follow Armand green playing with the Packers for all those years. But <laughs> Um, you know, Amon Green being an all-time great NFL guy who's right here, you know, from Omaha, Nebraska, was somebody that I that I absolutely loved watching. And so um, there's just there's just so so many of them. And and the, you know, the other one is the pipeline. That whole offensive line in those national mm. title years, you know, um, were just uh, and, and just so much fun to watch. But you know, the number one, my favorite of all time, is my son. You know, Garrett number forty-one. <laughs> so. He'll definitely be my all-time favorite for forever, you know. Uh, so there's there's just a lot of them, and I could probably mm-hmm. rattle off a hundred names if I had to. But mm-hmm. I think I think those those some of those defensive linemen, those guys like Grant Wistrom and Jason, you know, the Peter brothers, and you know Terry Keneally sticks out, Broderick Thomas, Mike Kroll. I just I really enjoyed watching those guys play and get after the quarterback. And Tom Osborne, I mean, he's always been I, I you know I've talked to him, I've met him on several occasions, but I wouldn't call him a friend just cause I don't know him that well, but I would call mm-hmm. him definitely a mentor or kind of a hero. Um, somebody that I've tried to kind of pattern a lot of what I do after. And I've read mm-hmm. all of his books. Um, uh, more than many on solid ground. All of them, yeah. game that's incredible. And there's so many things that I've used through my entire coaching career that I pulled right from that book. And, you know, Tom Osborne's the greatest of all time, and he mm-hmm. will definitely always be somebody that, um, you know, I'll always look up to and, you know, try and try and emulate as much as I possibly can. And we, I think this whole state of Nebraska has been incredibly lucky and blessed to have that guy, a big part of it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's shameless self-promotion, but uh, foreigners out there, if you haven't, go back. Uh, it was uh, middle of May. We did a show with Osborne, so we have that out there on our YouTube channel. Go back, watch it. Uh, it is just awesome to, to get to talk with Coach and and everything you said there. I mean, he he led the right way. 255 wins, 49 losses, three ties in 25 years. He, he never lost more than three. He never won fewer than nine games in a season, and yet, and yet he did it the right way. It was never about winning. It was just about setting really lofty goals not making mistakes. And, and if you reach those goals and if you lose to the team, then literally you can cheer as they go by. But if you reach those goals more times than not, you're going to win. And, yeah. uh, and, and, th- and that physical football thing that you've, you've talked about a couple of times, yeah. boy, he, he liked that physical. Um, yeah. One of my favorite players is a, uh, is a North loop Scotia kid. I, I liked Steve Prewald back in the day. Yeah. He was a, you know, and a fullback. Uh, that's a, you want to talk f- physical football. The guy had the biggest uh, calves I think I've ever seen. And, uh, 
his, his, he had a little bit of bad luck because he came in his year where he was supposed to be the man was the first year that Callahan. Coach Callahan had his West Coast offense, and it kind of eliminated the fullback there. But I think Steve could have been the next great one. And that's another one I should have mentioned is all those fullbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey Schlesinger and Tom Rathman. And, man, I mean, those guys, Makovica brothers. And, I mean, that those were guys that I really loved too. And I was always just kind of – really frustrated that Steve never really got his chance to finally be the guy mm. out there when his turn came around. But those fullbacks were always fun to watch. That Oklahoma game in 04, the first year of uh, of Callahan, I think we were down 31 nothing. We had done nothing the whole game. I mean, we were basically – the Oklahoma was taking care of us. And it was we got the ball back with like a minute left. And they for the first time all season, they just ran a fullback dive. They hadn't done <laughs> it at all. And Crewell goes for like 50 yeah. yards, and they end up – kicking a last second field goal so that we lost 31 to three i think it was yeah. and i'm and i'm sitting there going you know maybe that would still work i don't know yeah and i used to yeah. get crapped on by by my friends when i'd sit there and say gosh i wish we'd get a fullback out there oh honky you're just you know you're living in the past no i, I still think fullbacks have a appropriate spot on the uh yeah. on the lineup i think that physicality is is always going to be there but uh, yeah yeah mm. for sure well let's go to uh let's well, actually, you know what? I want to show you something here before I go to the last question. Uh, a week ago, we had Michael Severe on, and uh, and he wanted to make sure that I showed you something because I guess you have a bet with him, and he wanted to make sure that you knew that he had a bet. So here, let me show you this. You know, Rob, that's actually something I'm interested in. When I, when I do the fan forum in a week with Glenn Snodgrass, I want to talk with him because, you know, he's a he's a football coach. He's a Husker fan. He's also you a tell Husker him he owes me lunch, and he knows the bet. We had a bet on a player, <laughs> and you tell him he owes me lunch. We had a bet over DM. On <laughs> over a play, you telling me it was me lunch. I, I will, I will absolutely do that. I can cross it off the list now. I can definitely say I did it now. Whether whether you remember that bet or not, or but he, uh, I, you know, I know we we went back and forth a little bit about Brian Erlacher for a while. I had a little bit higher. Um, I thought he was a little bit better than uh, he did, but um, God, I don't remember the lunch. If I feel terrible though, if I did, I, I hate the Welch on a bet. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just, I almost grabbed my phone and went back in my DMs because <laughs> I, feel, I feel terrible now if I miss something. But uh, he, I, I'm guessing he's probably right because that guy knows about as much about sports as anybody out there. So I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna definitely go through my DMs and check that one out. No, I apologize because I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what that is. Well, but well now he can't accuse me of not saying it. At least okay. I at least I brought it up. Yeah. All right, let's go question 4 here. Uh how do you think the Huskers will do next year? So, you know, this is the this is the one where we can you know, there's been a lot of changes. The the coaching staff has made some changes. There's going to be potentially some changes schematically, offensively and defensively. Do we do a little more four-man front and 4-3 on the defense? offensively do we get under center at times i mean so there's a lot of change going on um i'm curious your perspective and and whatever heard I mean, how do you how do you need the changes uh you know taking on the feet i was i was initially really concerned about our defensive line which i think a lot of people were but the the players that they brought in i think are going to be really good you know i i yeah. i assume they're gonna fit they they seem like they're gonna fit but i guess you never know until you really see them out there but i, I think they filled in a lot of those holes and they brought in so many guys out of and the secondary obviously was the other one but they have brought in a 
big number of guys at that spot. So I'm just having to guess that they're going to find the right four to get back there and play in the secondary. So um, where my initial concern was the defense, I think they've probably answered those questions. And I think the defense mm-hmm. could probably be pretty good this year. Um, I think our, our wide receivers and our backs are going to be as good as they've been in a long time. In my opinion, we're a little thin at tight end. Um, I, you know, obviously Vocalect is really good. And I don't know what, you know, Fedone's time frame is with his injury. But um, as long as we stay healthy, you know, Vocalex is as good as there is in the Big Ten. So with a, with a, with a great backfield, great receivers, good, nice tight end. I My personal opinion, honestly, is going to come down to those quarterbacks, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, whether it's uh, which ever one of those guys end up being out there. Um, I think that's in my opinion, where it's going to come down to, um, you know, O-line, I think there's maybe a few question marks there, but for some reason that doesn't concern me quite as much as um, some of the other ones. And we're going to find out where we were with Adrian Peterson. I mean, or I'm sorry, Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like he was always an incredibly talented quarterback. We just could never quite get it done in crunch time at the end. Um, so, you know, if the guys that are coming in are going to be as talented and can do the things that Adrian could do, um, I don't know. So to me, that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest question mark right now is to see, mm-hmm. A, which guy's out there on the field, and B, if they're going to really be able to be out there and be the same type of an athlete and dynamic player that Adrian was, and hopefully they can be what Adrian wasn't at the end of the game you know, mm-hmm. and be able to finish those things. Cause sometimes talent's one thing, but a little bit of moxie at the end of the game to be able to kind of finish those things out is, is uh, almost as important. You know, I think our special teams hopefully are going to be better. I was at several practices this spring and watching those guys punt. I mean, I haven't, I've never seen that many balls hit the roof of the Hawks um, that, that were getting punted. I think the guys that they brought in are really good. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, special teams issues are going to be cleaned up. So um, I I think we're going to be better. Um, Obviously, I think we're going to win more than three games. I think a lot's going to come down to how we do in that Northwestern game because we've got, Mm -hmm. if we can get that one taken care of, we got several winnable ones all the way up to the Oklahoma game, and that could set up a pretty big one in Lincoln against Oklahoma. So, you know, I'm not going to give you a prediction on, on wins and losses, but I think we're going to be, I think we can be significantly better than we were a year ago if the quarterbacks play up to their, their potential. And I, you know, I don't, you know, I think Casey Thompson's a great player, but I I hope everybody isn't completely ruling out Chubba Purdy. And then guess what? You also have Smothers down there who Mm -hmm. um, isn't a bad player at all. And I felt like he played pretty good against Iowa. So, you know, you never know if Smothers is going to be able to come up and uh, kind of sneak up on those guys. So uh, I'm really excited to see how that quarterback room ends up during the Mm -hmm. season but just really excited to get rolling and get to watching those kids play yeah i you know especially when you have a season of off season of of change like this that's all the more important reason from you know when i i've talked about like quarterbacks sometimes you gotta take a green jersey off a guy like i i think the world of what casey thompson could do i think the world of what you know purdy could do and 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 we don't want to forget about smothers I, i hope that the competition is there i hope it's a real and legit you know that's all I want you to do is earn hell when Beringer and Frazier had to go, you know, head to head the entire off season going into the 95 year. And that's those two guys. And Osborne had them going up all the way into to fall camp. I mean, nobody's too good for a competition. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, from a coaching standpoint, 
Um, let's say, so this team right now has like 33 newcomers on it and like 15, 16 of them have come from the transfer portal. And, and it's been a huge infusion of talent. In fact, Michael Severe last week talked about how this is a more talented team, he thinks, now than what we had a year ago. But how do you, as a coach, how would you go about trying to make sure that that team, all these new guys coming in, that it's going to work? How do you get them to gel in a, in a, in a hurry, so to speak, so that uh, you know it looks like a cohesive unit in the fall? Well, and that's the next thing I was going to bring up. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, that that's it's a challenge. I mean, it's it's a challenge at any level. But now, uh, you know, with the combination of NIL and the portal, that has made every college football coach's job, in my opinion, a lot more difficult. And when you're going to be turning over those rosters like they are every year to try and get a these kids that are some of them making a fair amount of money in the in in the NIL stuff um, and coming from all different places, some of them might be 21, 22, 23 years old, um, and to all of a sudden all be bought into the University of Nebraska and fight for the University of Nebraska mm-hmm. and love this place and fight and scratch and claw for it. That's that's a tough job for Co- for Coach Frost. But the good news is he seemed to have done a pretty darn good job. I realize mm-hmm. our wins and losses haven't been where they need to be, but I, I just feel like our culture and um, – just our, our our team unity has been pretty good over the years. And so that might be a strength of this staff. But, you know, not only the players coming in, new coaches that are coming in too. So everything that I've heard from the kids and the people that I know, it sounds like it's going really well right now. It sounds like the kids mm-hmm. are, you know, meshing well and that the, the coaches and everybody are kind of getting together. And hopefully if everybody has the same goals, if everybody wants to win football games, you know, it shouldn't be difficult to – um, to develop that culture. But that is a big thing because what wins those games, what wins those those tight ones? And one thing Coach Osborne always says, unity was the most important, is one of the most important characteristics of every, any team. If they love each other and they're willing to fight for each other, um, then you're going to have a better chance of winning those close ones. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be something we're going to have to, I'm sure Coach Frost is addressing, and we'll we'll see how it all comes out. But everything I've heard, it sounds like it's going pretty well right now. And I think that's going to be a big portion of uh, or a big part in how we do in those, especially in the close ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the unity of purpose, I think Frost has said a number of times. And when we had Coach Osborne on, he talked about with his staff, it was uh, the institutional knowledge of guys that had coached together for so many years, yeah. you know, 10, 15 years. I'm sure you've experienced this with, you know, some of your staff. They've been with you for a number of years. You walk into some game and you're playing somebody and they come out and do something crazy schematically. And you can go, well, you know, five years ago, this team did the same thing against us. How did we respond? And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not necessarily going to have that with this staff this year. They, you know, they don't have all that kind of institutional knowledge together, but I think that they, uh, we've got some really talented coaches. I think, you know, they can, uh, we've got to get these guys ready. And I, one of the things with the transfer portal that, that intrigues me a little bit, it's something fans were guilty of this is that we, uh, we jump on the new thing. The new guy comes in and, Oh, he's, you know, Oh, this is the best guy. You know, he's a four star, five star, whatever. And I think about a kid like Garrett, who's been, grinding through the program now you know and if some guy comes in the transfer portal into the same spot that garrett's at i'm not sitting there thinking well you know garrett just oh here take the spot it's yours you know you came through the portal i mean hell no man garrett you know garrett's gonna fight like crazy for that spot and and uh we created a couple depth charts put them out on on a uh youtube just it was just a a talking piece kind of spitballing some names and I put Purdy down as the, the number two quarterback and somebody 
called us out on on Twitter about well, what about Smothers? And I'm like, absolutely, it, it, Smothers absolutely could be number two. I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. actually I'm guilty there. I, I I moved him off of number two to put somebody else in there. And if I was Smothers, I'd be pissed saying that. You know, yeah. like that's someone's not coming in and just taking my spot. And I and I, I guess I just it's the game has changed so much with the NIL and transfer portal. It's a different world today than it was just five years ago, but there's always going to be a, I mean, man, Garrett is a kid. I absolutely can root for. There's nothing I want to see more than a kid in his sixth year reaching all of his goals and dreams. And he stuck it through, you know, I think that's, Mm -hmm. that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the portal is definitely, it's created more internal competition, you know, and, it's made it tougher for those tweeners to, um, you know, stick it out and stick it out and stick it out and finally get your chance. You know, you got to fight off. You got a, you got to fight off the new recruits that come in every year. B, mm-hmm. if you also have to fight off the, um, and I'm saying fighting them off. I mean, within a team concept, but you to, to stay on that depth chart, you gotta, you gotta stay in front and you gotta battle those, those new guys that are coming in. And so I, I think right now Garrett's in a pretty good spot. He broke a bone in his foot in the Wisconsin game actually and had to have surgery, but he's finally going to be fully he didn't play in the spring, unfortunately, but he's mm-hmm. going to finally be fully cleared tomorrow actually, which I'm kind okay. of excited to see how things go tomorrow will be his first day fully cleared. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a battle every day. I think at that level to, even if you're a starter, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, fight and battle and scratch to maintain that spot. Cause there's, there's no chumps behind you. I mean, you got, mm. you got some legit athletes that are, you know, sneaking up on you on your heels if you're not uh, coming to play every day. So, but the portal definitely, I mean, you got to stay on your toes and you got to keep working every day because if not, they're going to bring another guy in. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see where Garrett ends up this year. I know he's, he's always, He's always been a real smart player and a tough player, and you know he's managed to kind of stick in that in that top two or um, top two on the depth chart. So, but we'll see how things go for him. I know he'll play his tail off. That's one thing I do know because he's about as tough a kid as I know and about as smart a football player as I know. So, mm-hmm. um, it'll be exciting to see how things pan out. Do you? Uh, I mean, it, it, does he talk at all? Uh, if you get in the scheme, I mean, I've heard. There's some three man front. They'd want to do some four man front. How that moves him around? If he was a three, a four three linebacker versus a three four, is is there a spot you think he kind of he fits in best, or he just he's adaptable, or how would you? What well, would you say? I mean, basically they got the they got three linebacker spots. He's I think he can play. He won't play the nickel position, but I think he could play either one of the other two, and that's kind of what makes him a little bit more valuable. Is he's kind of got the both of those positions down because there's I I love talking to him about their defense because he can mm-hmm. you know he teaches me a lot about what they do and it just shocks me how complex and difficult it really is mm-hmm. um and like I said I think that's kind of what makes him valuable because he can play multiple positions at that linebacker spot and you know I was just listening to to coach Rude at the the spring game, I guess he was actually eavesdropping, but um, he was talking to some recruits about how those older kids with Nick and Luke and Garrett, how, um, you know, coach rude can be out of the room and those guys could basically run practice if they had to, 
you know, and they're, they're now kind of, they went from being um, undergrads to kind of running master level practices with those guys, because, you know, Reimer and Henrich and, and, and Garrett are just so smart that they can do so many more things now than they, than they could two and three years ago. So um, I think we've got some good kids at that linebacker spot, kids that can run that are tough, but most importantly, they're Nebraska kids and they're very, very intelligent kids. It allows coach rude to do a lot of kind of cool things with them. Hmm. That's going to be fun to watch. I, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a lot of talent out there, but I, and I love some of the, the, the newcomers that are coming in, but man, in-state kids and kids that have been in the program for three, four or five years, those are going to be your leaders, Garrett, mm-hmm. Garrett Nelson, you know, Reimer, you know, Henrich, you can go down the list. There's, you know, for, for all the, the shiny newness of the, some of the new players, um, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of snaps here too, and that have mm-hmm. bled a lot and been, been here for a number of years. And, and, uh, as a fan, I really want to see them. I want to see success for them. Those guys, yeah. they've, they've stuck it out. They could, I'm sure they could have, you know, looked at the portal too, if they wanted to, I mean, you know, it's open to everybody. There's thousands of kids that get jump in it, but those kids that stick it out and, uh, you know, we've talked to so many former players now, Dem- Damon Benning and some guys that everyone talks about, even back in the great days, the players, you know, there was always a, a moment where everyone said they would, they wanted to quit at some time. It just, it's hard. And mm-hmm. if you make it too easy for people to quit, sometimes I think they, 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 they lose something there. They, you know, you stick it out you, they, one more year, you know, that, that whatever that is, you get, that's where real growth comes from. And, and, and growth is hard. And, and sometimes I think guys are trying to take the easy way out. And I love to see the guys that are just banging and, and, and sticking with it. You know, and that's one, another thing about being a parent is you get to kind of, you get to know the kids, the players, um, and you kind of see the struggles that they go through and um, just, just, uh, and you know, it just, it means a lot to all of them, but to those Nebraska kids and not only Nebraska kids, but kids that have been around for a while, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth year, you know, watching those guys come out because we're, we're every game we're down there and we're waiting for the players to come out and watching them walk out of that tunnel on some of those games, those really just rough, brutal losses. It's just, it's hard. I mean, they, those kids, they want it so bad. I mean, especially Mm -hmm. those Nebraska kids that have been around and I mean, they just want it so bad. And, I want it for me as a just a silly Nebraska fan, but getting to know those kids and having relationships with them, I mean, I want it so badly for them, you know, for Nick mm-hmm. Henrich. What an awesome kid. Garrett Nelson. I mean, awesome kids who I'm great friends with their families. I mean, I just want it so much for those boys to be able to experience what, you know, powerhouse Nebraska football being a, you know, a big time national level contender, what that actually feels like. And for them to be the guys to get it back to that position, to see, mm-hmm. you know, the frustration in my own son every time, you know, after a lot of these games, I want so badly for him to be able to experience those things that I saw on TV when I was young. I want Garrett so badly to be a part of that, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I want it for all Nebraska, but I really, really want it for those boys. Cause they, boy, they, they put everything into that. I mean, the amount of time and sweat and blood and everything that they put into that is just incredible. And I just want to, I want success for them so bad. And the coaches, Coach Frost, mm-hmm. I mean, I've known Coach Frost for a long time. He's one of the best men that I know, one of the most humble men that I know. And 
I don't know if there's anyone who wants it more than him. I mean, literally in the state who wants it more than him. And I want it badly for him too, because I just, I just hurt for him, you know, on some of those press conferences after those games. And so, you know, all those guys, those coaches are such great men. I just, I, I respect those guys so much. I just, you know, want so badly for it to get turned around. And I know, I know it will. I, like I said, I'm the eternal optimist and I know they got a plan and I know they're going to get it rolling and, I'm excited to see the season. I wish I could go to Ireland with my wife. I'm going to stay <laughs> home, and that's all right. I'll be home coaching Dalton against Lexington, so that'll be fun mm-hmm. too. But I'm, I'm really excited to come home and shut, lock my doors, and keep everybody out of my house and watch that game in my basement with Dalton. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Coach, this is this has been a blast. I, I've loved this. I want to show you a, a little video here of a couple guys that we've talked to the last few weeks. And I think this is a good way to go out. I want to get your thoughts after you see it. And it's it's coaches or it's players. Uh, one of them, Steve Warren, talking about Charlie McBride. One of them is Chancellor Brewington talking about his position coach, Sean Becton. And it's the, the, the language they use is so similar. And it's about coaching and it's about coaching hard, but loving hard, too. I want, I want you to see this and then kind of get your thoughts after this. Um, the one thing I always loved and respect about Coach McBride, even to this day, we talk all the time and. He tells you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. Um, and that's one thing I've kind of prided myself on doing because it's made such a huge difference and impact in my life that if I've got somebody that I know is telling me the truth, whether it hurts my feelings, you know, I'm gonna we're, we're going to say it or we're going to have that conversation anyway. And that's the kind of coach he was. But you knew it was coming from a place of love um, and not a place of him trying to tear you down and just be evil. It was coming from a place that he wanted to build you up. But in order to build you up, he had to tell you what your faults were or what your good things were. So hard on me that like I had no choice but to prove him wrong, but really to prove him right, because I feel like he knew the whole time I was able to do it. But um, he cares like that's the one thing like like it's, it's different from I've had coaches who care, but like he really care. Like he'll get on you, but he'll he'll make he'll never. I've seen, especially the spring ball, I've got to see him a lot closer. He'll get on you, but he'll never end a practice or an, or a day without loving on you. He'll he'll get on you, but he'll never end a day without loving on you. Um, what do you want players, your players, to say about you in that sense? And, and what were some of those coaches, the great ones that you've had, what traits did they have that that you try to emulate, you know, with your players? Well, I, I, I agree with both of those guys that, having high expectations and, and is incredibly important. And tough love is one of the most important parts of love, whether you're a coach or a dad or whatever. Um, if you let kids slide or if you let them get away with things, you're not doing them favors. Um, if you really love them, they need to learn from, from those uh, mistakes and they need to get better from those mistakes. And sometimes that requires a little bit of tough love. And um, I think both of my sons will be the first to admit, I'm not afraid to dish out some tough love. And my athletes are at York are going to tell you the same thing, but they're also going to know that it comes from a place of of love and it comes from a place that um, it's being done to make them better people. Um, I think some mistakes that people make is, um, they think they're doing an athlete or a child or whatever a favor by letting them get away with things or letting them um, 
I think that's I think that's that's a mistake. And great coaches are always going to have high expectations, and kids tend to rise up to those expectations. If I, I'd rather I'd way rather have an expectation to hear and have my son rise to hear than have an expectation to hear and have him meet it. So we're going to always have high expectations, and kids. Uh, kids tend to to rise up to those expectations and meet it. But if it doesn't all stem from from love, if it doesn't all stem from the right place where you're truly caring about that kid and you're truly trying to get him um, to be a better young man, then then you know any of that's going to be misplaced. So uh, I, those were both great comments by those guys. And you know, as a coach and as a dad, I'm always enjoying hearing things like that. And um, like I said, tough love is one of the most important love you can get, but it's still love. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, it's customary on our show uh, to to give the the guest the final say, the final parting shot. Uh, the floor is yours, Coach Snodgrass. What do you got? Well, I uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I uh, love being a Husker fan. I've been one my whole life, um, and I will be for the rest of my life. Um, I, I, there's nothing better than being in Memorial stadium. I'm that guy that my wife says, well, when do they open the gates for a one o'clock game? I'm like, well, 11, we should probably be in there at 11. Shouldn't we? <laughs> she thinks I'm crazy, but I want to be in there. And I still get a little giddy when I walk up and I, you know, I, I, I see, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, uh, you know, so-and-so, even though I know these guys, I'm still a little bit of a fan when I see them. And so, mm-hmm. Uh, I just love every bit of it and I love being a small part of it. And I absolutely love watching my son play and, um, hope, hope for his success and the whole team's success over the years. And, um, and, uh, appreciate what you do and appreciate this, uh, this podcast and this YouTube channel. It's uh, it's really a great thing. And the way you do it positively, you know, um, and always supporting and backing the Huskers is, is fantastic. So I appreciate you having me on and go big red. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. I I wear sunglasses a lot of time to games, whether whether there is sun or not, because uh, I can't make it through a tunnel walk without tearing up. I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm an emotional dude that way. And uh, uh, Husker football does something to me that uh, you know not a lot of other things can, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. no, this is this is a lot of fun. We wish nothing but the best to uh, to Garrett this season here, and, and Dalton as he's going through his senior year and and with his recruitment into the York Dukes. Hey, I've you got a new fan here too. I mean, I'm, I, I might, I might make it out to York for a game this year. I'd love to go out there and watch a, watch a Friday night lights game and, uh, and watch you guys. So. Yeah. Come on down. It's a great place to watch a game on Friday night. I've had people tell me, I've had people that are Mike Sauter said it's one of the three best uh, opening ceremonies and uh, best atmospheres in the state. And he's been to a few ball games. So it's, it's a good place to come watch a game. I'll have to do that. We I play I went to Skoda's and we were class B back in the day and we actually played at York in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Golanday, I think, might have been like he a freshman, <laughs> a punter. I think it was like a freshman punter my senior year. But yeah, I, you know, it'd be fun to go back there and watch a game there. So yeah. well, anyways, thank you so much, uh, Coach Nagras. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, just remember out there, Redcasters, you too could be the next one to join us on the forum. Hoda Media Production.